is the Campbell Digital Network. Thank you for listening, subscribing, clicking the link you found on social media, and joining us here on the Camel Call Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Budrovich. Heather Island is the Director of Compliance, which means she's in charge of areas like NLIs, financial aid, student-athlete eligibility, and our favorite part of her job, rules and bylaws. Heather started her journey in the creek in the registrar's office and bounced over to athletics two years ago, helping out in areas where we see the end product, but not always understand the litigation that goes into getting stuff done. We talked with Heather to learn more about the compliance department and what her day-to-day work is like here in the Creek. And for me, compliance really has an effect on every aspect in athletics, uh, aspects that you don't really think about. And I really got interested in that when I was working in operations because it's the behind-the-scenes work that no one really thinks about, shouldn't really think about, but it does affect you. So... Compliance does allow me to interact with coaches, student-athletes, administrative departments. It really is, whether it's appreciated or not all the time, it's always there and um, gets me involved, and I like that about it. So I know you've also been in the registrar's office. You've also done operations with certain teams, you know, football, things of that nature. What is kind of the challenge or the unique aspect of compliance that kind of stands out maybe people don't know or necessarily see? I mean, very similar to what I said, it just affects everything. There's a lot of rules. They change every year. Um, it's always trying to be better for the student-athlete welfare. It's trying to just improve the overall culture in the scene of athletics. I mean, it affects academic support, which I've done before. It affects certification, which I've done before. Operations that deals with recruiting. Everything. It really has a hand in all of it. And I try and tell my coaches, my administrators... It's a resource. Like compliance, we're just here to be a resource because of the ever-changing landscape um, to make sure that it all goes smoothly and better for them. You mentioned recruiting, and we're right now kind of in the big period of the early signing period for some of the fall sports, and of course with football coming up in the middle of December. Mm-hmm. How has that new rule the last couple of years maybe changed not only the recruiting landscape, just kind of how high schools and colleges communicate in this recruiting cycle? It's definitely been a lot different with trying to make it so that we're not doing a lot of the early recruiting, giving this prospective student-athletes more of a chance to feel out and see what's best for them. Um, it's been difficult for a lot of teams to change their recruiting, particularly the teams that really do tend to go for earlier years. But it's supposed to work out better for the prospective student-athletes. And this year we just opened up the signing period where a lot of sports can sign almost throughout the entire year so. It keeps me busier throughout the year as they find people, we sign them. Um, And you are correct with the football early signing period. Actually, about 95% of football recruits across all levels really tend to sign during those three days in December. So it changes that whole landscape for the January, February time frame. I've always been meaning to ask you this, and I think people at home are are curious. It's no longer the fact sheets that come out with the kids' signed uh, high school transcript and whatnot, but... What goes into that process when you officially can say, hey, this kid is signed and they are truly a camel or whatever school they go to? Yeah, because when we say committed, we mean actually signed. And it's always a contention with coaches because they tell us, oh, well, the kid's committed. No, they just verbally committed to you. It doesn't matter to us until you're actually signed. But you have to sign both the national letter and a financial aid agreement. has to be both. You have to sign it, date it, make sure the parents signed it. 
everything has to come through within seven days of us sending it out. There are a lot of restrictions that go into it. And then after all of that, we look at it and we tell the coaches, hey, congratulations, publicize them, brag about them, enjoy it. Um, and that's the best part of it when you can actually see the end result and see how excited the coaches are and the prospects are to be announcing their own signing. So that's, that's the reward of it. At other schools you've been to, is there necessarily where maybe you have an idea the kid's going to sign before they, let's say, on ESPNU, you know, we think in Power 5 football a little bit, but you see those kids sit there at the ceremonies with the hats and, you know, the glitz and glamour of it. But there's kind of an idea, right? The coaches know, hey, it's down to these schools. They already have their information. What goes through that process of maybe just making sure the kid knows what they need from a compliance standpoint, and it's not just, oh, I'm going to sign my name on this sheet of paper and you know commit to Florida or wherever they end up going. Yeah, because there are a lot of talks that go through it to make sure, I mean, discussing the financial aid you're going to get, the official visits, making sure that you're going to be cleared in the eligibility center, everything that actually makes it valid. Um, so it's generally not that people just throwing NLIs at these prospects and hoping they're going to pick theirs. You have an idea that they are going to choose you. Um, and that's the exciting thing about coaches because they're like, yeah, I've been recruiting, you know, this one, but, but we're ready. They committed, get it ready, send it out to them. Um, so that's the nice part of, I know, and I get excited when I'm sending out an NLI to a prospect, I'm expecting us to get it back because especially at our school, I know our coaches, the amount of relationship that they put in to their recruits, we're not just sending out NLIs to anyone. We're actually going out and getting the best, committing them and they're signing. So. Not to reveal too many secrets, but it has to be neat, especially when you're capped on a certain amount of official visits and a certain amount of time you can talk to a kid in certain seasons and whatnot. When they do, when coaches do bring these kids on campus, it kind of feels like it's that Hollywood treatment, if you will, of Bowie's <laughs> Creek. Uh, give us a sense a little bit. Obviously, each team's a little different, but what those weekends are like, and maybe from your standpoint, just getting people up to standards or kind of seeing what they experience with kids and parents and all the, the nuances that can go into that. Yeah, I mean, they definitely intend to bring out a bunch of people to talk to them, like admissions comes in, talks about everything that's going on. I know that now since we're building the student center, that's a big thing that coaches are really having talked up. Um, some coaches even dare to have compliance come and talk to them about the boring but necessary stuff um, where the parents appreciate it. They're the ones raising their hands and they're not really the kids just glazing over looking at me. Going around meeting with people, but also being sure that they have student hosts taking them out. Um, showing them around campus. I know when it was warmer, sunny skies was a big hit for going and making sure that they were testing that out. Um, colder months, I don't know what they're doing when they when they bring them on campus. But it's really nice. You want to get them to have a good feel about it without drawing it out too much. Um, so that's the interesting part. And also, a lot of times they'll do stuff at a coach's house with the whole team so that you can have that team entertainment, get a feel, see if you're a good fit. So that's really what it's all about, just making sure you're a fit. One of the minor rules that Chris Pope explained this one time was the 50-mile limit about areas you could take kids. And I can imagine, you know, if you're in Bowie's Creek and all of a sudden, oh, let's go to Asheville for the weekend. Well, no, that's not necessarily a, a real indication of your campus or, or where you're at. So it's kind of neat. Yeah, thankfully, it... the radius is as the crow flies. So it's not just you're just not watching your odometer and seeing how far you've gone. Like you can say, okay, if we can get there in a line of, you know, 30 miles or so, we can do that, which gets us to some... Pretty nice places where we get used to, you know, it's just a drive just down the road. And so it gives them a better feel of what you actually have access to rather than just as far as you can see around Bowie's Creek. 
Heather, for you, a lot of your start began in football. So mm-hmm. we'll talk about that for a little bit. At your alma mater, William & Mary, working in the football department, kind of mm-hmm. as a director of operations among many different roles. But give us a sense a little bit, and, and I think Katie Knight could speak to this as well, but just the, the amount of organization and, and things of that nature that go into running a football program that's not just getting guys out in the field on Saturday and, you know, kicking off. Yeah. I mean, I really enjoyed being director of football operations. Coach Laycock, who just retired this season, he would, he'll, be, he'll always be coach to me. He helped get me my start in athletics and I'll always be appreciative of that. But basically, if it didn't go wrong on the field and if it didn't go wrong in equipment, you were looking at me. <laughs> so it was both a high-stress job, but I enjoy that. Like, I don't just want to sit behind a desk and have the same, same job every day, and athletics definitely doesn't give any of us that. So it was it was nice to be the organizer, have the plan A through Z sometimes, because if you're traveling with all those guys, you never know actually what's going to come up. Um, so it's just one of those things that you really do have to be aware of. But everything came through. It's great. I enjoyed it. Between the meals, the recruiting visits, unofficial, official travel, um, coordinating at home games, senior days, all of that, it's... It adds up, and most people don't think about it, which is good, because if they're thinking about it, it means they're noticing that something went wrong, and that's not what you want. So. I would have to say, and I'm not sure how many times, William Mary, you've done this, but just thinking of some of those Campbell trips, when you fly charter out of RDU, that has to be just an out-of-this-world experience. I mean, one, stressful, but two, just a unique, hey, we're jumping on a charter like the Hurricanes do, and you know, flying to wherever that town is for your next game. Yeah, it definitely was. And we had a couple of those flights that we made, particularly when we made it to the NCAA playoffs. Um, And it's just getting all of these guys, trying to explain to them, getting a single-file line. And all of a sudden, they're in three single-file lines funneling through to me. And I was like, guys, one one single-file line. But, you know, so we can get through our TSA agent. So it's really nice. It's a great experience. um, And it's very useful and helpful when you can do that. But it... It is an experience and an added joy, I will say, of working through those aspects. But it also helps that you don't have to work with layovers, go through all the security, um, which we had to do when I worked with men's basketball at William & Mary. We had to go through all that with a whole bunch of tall guys that didn't have enough leg room. So <laughs> it would definitely uh, help to have charter for that when we were at William & Mary. So. At William & Mary, you were very involved in the campus rec department, not only getting students involved, but kind of organizing and getting people to be more active and participate in events of that nature. What is the value? I think students can see it. I think parents can kind of see it from the outside looking in, but just having a good campus rec program and, and really getting kids involved more than just going to class and things like that. I mean, some of the experiences that I saw just working in intramural sports was my main focus at William & Mary. Um, like the camaraderie on the teams, but also between the teams. Like you see them in all the different sports each season. Um, at William Mary, they had the law school students right there, so that was always a super competitive, uh, separate league that they sort of had of their own. But it's it's so important to get that involved because, especially on smaller campuses like William Mary and here, you know, you're going to now see them walking to classes, seeing all that. So. It just really expands the whole experience for the students, and that's the important thing. Um, And I'm sure it has the same sort of thing with the larger schools, bringing them in so that you do have smaller subsets that they may not have otherwise. And it keeps them active, all that other great stuff. Um, I think at William Mary, 
was on just about every team um, that we did. We even had like indoor floor hockey and all that sort of stuff. Lots of bruises, lots of everything going on there. But it was overall a good experience for everyone that involved. And you've taken some of that passion here to Campbell now and probably in the last two to three years as a way to get people involved and, and keep that engagement. Even among the athletic staff, you, you started a, a team called the Good Sports. You know, the name, regardless of whether that stands true in certain sports or whatnot, but it gives coaches and staff a chance to, one, intermingle with kids, but two, just have a lot of fun competing. Yeah, I mean, we're all competitive. It's why we're in athletics. It's uh, in our blood. And so intermingling my, my two loves of athletics and intramural sports was a lot of fun. And especially in the first year or so, getting different coaches on different teams, administrative departments, all of a sudden, you know, people are showing up to games and being, hey, my name is this. And you're meeting other people actually in your department that you just generally, you know, like coaches are always on the road recruiting. They're with their teams. They're all of that. They may know the administrators, but they may not know their other coaches as well. Um, so that's been a lot of fun. And it also helps that, I mean, we're going around winning some of these championships, um, not that that's the important Heather's rolling aspect. her eyes and brushing this off as she's saying it, by the way, just to note. I, I do, however, have a separate intramural signature as the uh, Good Sports General Manager, and several championships are listed there, including our upcoming two-time Co-Rec basketball uh, championship team, two-time defending champs, so just saying. Another note, uh, having Lindsey Bowen on your team certainly helps. She was a WNBA <laughs> player, but... Uh, Heather, another part of this communal aspect that comes with your position is what we call, I guess, compliance cups or kind of <laughs> knowledge of compliance that is can be trivial. So there is an aspect of learning and memorizing and things like that. What are some things you try to do to get coaches up to speed? Because obviously some coaches know every rule in the books and some of them are kind of learning as they go along the way. Yeah, again, with the competitive aspect, recognizing that um, why not make compliance competitive as well? And since it is not an NCAA-sponsored sport, there have even been bets placed on who's going to win the cup and everything like that. But it really gives the coaches a way to compete with each other, answering questions, picking out violations and stories. I do a coaches forum each month where they actually do the Kahoot quizzes and they get extra points for that. Um, so I really try and engage them because, yes, compliance is not the most fun. It's not the most interesting, but if you're engaged in it and you, it gives you more of an opportunity, opportunity to see its value. Um, and I think even one of the years that I'm going to bring back this year, there was actually a Compliance Cup March Madness bracket where I actually timed people <laughs> to answer a question. And let's say, thankfully, the coaches did a little better than administration on that one. Um, not that you were involved in that. The Maybe marketing staff, were. marketing staff, I don't know if we came in last place, but we certainly did not uh, finish near the top of the bracket. You had a whole minute to answer a question. <laughs> yeah, we kind of went with the, well, it seems like this would be the rule because <laughs> this sounds right. And no, there, there are obviously, you know, bylaws and things that make it make yes. more sense. Um, Heather, in the compliance world, obviously things are always changing. Mm -hmm. We see a lot of the red legislation starting with the footballs and basketballs and kind of trickling down. What are some areas just maybe in terms of legislation or rules that people aren't necessarily aware of that are starting to be talked about in conversation and, you know, without revealing, hey, 10 years down the road, but mm -hmm. things that may be changing and how coaches and, and student athletes can interact in the next couple of years? Yeah, because it's definitely, there's an exception to just about every rule. Learning every sport seems to have their own exceptions. 
um, which is why when coaches call me with a question, I'm like, let me have to get back to you because I may be answering for women's basketball instead of lacrosse or something like that. Um, so it is ever-changing, but we do, right now we're through the process of looking at proposals, determining how we're going to vote as a school, and then the school tells a conference, and then we go through all that process. So thankfully, all the different schools and conferences do have a say in what goes through. Because the NCAA doesn't determine the rules. Conferences put out proposals, and then everyone votes on it. So, I mean, we're looking at stuff to try and improve chances for student-athletes to um, be able to play a little more, like even if they're being injured, giving them more opportunities to work with the coaches. There are a lot of recruiting calendar-type changes that are up there. A lot of times that's even just to give the coaches a break. Like sometimes you have to force the coaches through a dead in, period. In women's basketball recently, yes. there was a week-long dead period, which in many sports that's just unheard of. But that was kind of started by Muffet McGraw and some folks in the ACC. It's kind of neat how that all of a sudden, hey, this conference wants something, goes down to the Big South, they all meet together, and, and kind of explain how that kind of works because it's fascinating when, hey, I want something done. It may take a couple of years, but all of a sudden the end product is this week of, downtime where you can't talk or interact with you know, high school kids. Yeah, because they took it even a step beyond the dead period where you can't meet with them, but you can still talk to them. They went recruiting shutdown, two of them a year, where I tell them, I'm like, guys, just go on vacation. They go, oh, well, we can work on camps and clinics. I'm like, just go on vacation. <laughs> Take a break. You guys go so hard all year. But that is how it works. Like, And generally, a lot of our conference administrators, they come to us and say, hey, what are you seeing? What are your coaches seeing? that isn't working for them. So rather than just complain about it or you know talk amongst yourselves, actually do a proposal because there are other schools, other conferences that go, yeah, that would actually work better. Why are we doing this thing that doesn't make sense? We keep doing it every year. Let's try and improve the process because again, it's made for us. You know, We're the member schools, we're the member institutions with the student athletes. We wanna make sure it works for them Still trying to make sure there's no competitive edge for everyone across the board, but to make sure that works. So it is kind of nice that it's a member-driven process. It's a long process because they introduce the proposals in like October, and then we have to wait until April for some of them, figure it out while we're sitting here crossing our fingers for some of them saying, please, please go through. Um, so it's it's nice that it can start with us, and the coaches do take a lot of you know, power with that as well. I mean, we even see now with the NCAA baseball coaches getting together this next couple of weeks and discussing the possibility of adding a third full-time coach and, and, you know, things like that that could come up and then there's the discussion. So it is kind of neat to get your perspective on it. Heather, um, to wrap this up, of course, we love to get a sense of why people come to Campbell, what inspired them about their journey. And I know for you, you actually came back here to get some schoolwork in your career and among the many degrees you've had. But what have you taken away from this experience and, and kind of shifting now into an administrative role of just your thoughts on, on working here at Campbell? I mean, I was very lucky because Campbell's very close to family that I have down here. Um, my father lives about 30 minutes down the road, um, so I was looking for a place to come back and sort of call home around where he was since um, he had moved from Virginia Beach about 15 years ago. And Campbell was a, a great fit. I'm not a not a big city type person, which Bowie's Creek is not, clearly. Um, but I do like the community of it. I'm like smaller schools, spent you know six years at William Mary getting my degrees. 
working through that. And it really has worked well. I started in the registrars where I wasn't in athletics, but I was working very closely and created a bond with the athletics program, which made a good transition to come over to compliance um, and really try and change the culture and the perspective on compliance. That's been my main goal, to see a set of resource, not the enemy. Um, and I have had a lot of coaches actually repeat that back to me, that they are trying to see us as a resource, not the enemy. Um, so that's been the greatest thing that helps me feel like I'm helping make a mark here as well and able to actually call it home. Campbell Digital Network.